most of you are here. It's good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Um, next week, Joanne and I will be gone. We. Any cheering? No. Uh, uh, we will be gone. We'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, ministering at the Karis Bible College uh, there on Saturday. And so, but we, uh, we will have you uh, an upgrade. Praise God. So I don't know, you know, Chris and Lisa Cree, I don't know if they're here, they were in the first service. They graduated with us and they started uh, Karis Bible College, Scotland. And they really got that up and going. And then the Lord said, now it's time to hand it over to someone that's uh, national over there. And so they came back, and so they're just really uh, exploding their, their ministry, New Creations Ministries. And so they're going to be coming. And so they, they came to school with us, and so we were good friends with them. And so it was the best Karis graduating class ever. Okay. One, one of the things you learn about public speaking is don't make your crowd angry. So I'm sorry. Sorry. Take that back. So praise God. You ready for the word? All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to pick up with verse 13. And by grace and faith, we'll uh, go through the entire chapter. All right. We did it in the first service. I'm believing the same for this service. So 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 13. Let's start reading. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So let's uh, pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God, that it's blessed. We're going to open our heart, receive it by faith, and be blessed and nourished by it. Again, Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Open them by your gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you for ministering this in a way that they hear your voice, walk away with exactly what they need, and I believe you're the only one that can do this miracle, and I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 13, unpack this. And since we have the same spirit of faith, say same spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. And so Paul says we have the same spirit of faith. Well, that begs the question, same as who or what? The same as who? And so we need to realize that this is actually a quotation from the Old Testament. And so don't pop this verse up yet. We'll get to it here in a second. I'm not ready for it yet, but it's a quote from Psalms 116, and this is David speaking. And so David was in the midst, in this Psalm of 116, in a great trial of affliction. He said, death surrounded me, and so I had trials, I had pressure, I had death around me, but in the midst of it, I believed, therefore I spoke. 
And so we'll look at that here in a second. But before that, I want to talk about having the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. Ask someone next to you, do you have the spirit of faith? If they say no, ask them, what spirit do you got? We have ministry afterwards up here. We can pray for you. I believe all of you has got the spirit of faith. Amen. Well, let's talk about someone, because you can see the spirit of faith on people. And so when they have the spirit of faith, there's, there's uh, joy in their faith. There's peace. So you can see the spirit of faith. It's not like... <laughs> Tell someone, notify your, faith, your face. And your faith. Someone in the New Testament that typified the spirit of faith is Stephen. Stephen. The book of Acts chapter 6 verse 5, he says he was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. So that brings out that those two are connected. If you're going to be full of faith, then you're going to be full of the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to be full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be full of faith. You can't be full of faith and not full with the Holy Spirit or the other way around. And so Stephen was full of both. Ask someone next to you, what are you full, what are you full of? Let's see uh, being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians, but we're going to see something in a sister book called Colossians, something very interesting. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 18. This is being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The Lord never asks you to give up something that He doesn't give you something far better. And it says, uh, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but there's something better. Be filled with the Spirit of God. And so what's going to be some telltale signs you're filled with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing. Someone uh, in the first service said, you have a ministry of singing. And I said, I'm not sure that's accurate. I appreciate that. It's in my heart. <laughs> Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so that's just byproducts. Well, if you're filled with the Spirit, there's joy, there's a song. Have you ever found yourself singing in your car? And someone walks by looking at you and you're like, I'm so full of the Spirit, I could care less what you think of me. <laughs> Singing. Filled with the Spirit. But there's a sister book to Ephesians. And it's called Colossians, and some of the same things are mentioned over there, but slightly different that kind of bring those two together. You kind of get a fuller picture. So look in Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 16. We're going to see some, some uh, wording the same, but we're going to pick up something different here in Colossians 3. Look at verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we see similarity here. One saying be filled with the Spirit, but that says be filled with the Word of God. So what's going to happen when you're filled with the Word? You're going to be filled with faith. Faith comes by? and By the Word of God. And so you're going to be filled with faith. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it both comes out the same way. And so this is the spirit of faith. And we're to walk in a spirit of faith. And it says, according to what is written. Again, 
Our faith comes by the word of God. And so let's now turn to Psalms 116, verse 10, where this is quoted. Paul's going to quote David in Psalms 116, verse 10. And I want you to look at that up on the screen here. And it says, David said, I believe. Say, I believed. Therefore, I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. Okay, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa. I was with you until he said, I'm greatly afflicted. Some translations in English is not a good translation, and this word afflicted is not a good translation from the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word means humbled. I am greatly humbled. Actually, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Matter of fact, most of the New Testament writers quoting from the Old Testament quote from the Septuagint, then from the Hebrew, because that was the Bible of the day. Most were reading the Septuagint translation or the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And so that's the Septuagint, the Greek translation. And so this is the Septuagint. I believed, therefore I have spoken, and I was greatly humbled. Let me say something to you. You're never more humble than when you believe and speak God's word. You're never more humble. You want to, you know, you have to say, uh, Lord, I want to be humble. Raise your hand if you want to be humble. Let me show you a a wormhole to humility. The quickest route to humility. Believe God and agree with him. If he says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what does the humble say? I'm the righteous God. Well, I don't feel righteous. I feel like a worm. I'm just a worm crawling through life. Well, you proudful thing. God says I'm the, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The humble agrees with him, not your feelings. And if you'll keep meditating on that, keep speaking that, before long it, revelation hits you and you start living that way. And so he says, I believe, therefore have I spoken, and I was greatly humbled. And so let me tell you something about humility is it gets God's grace. And God exalts those that are humble. 1 Peter 5, 6. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 6. It says, therefore humble yourselves. See, God's not in the humbling business to believers. Tell someone you don't want God to humble you. Therefore, humble yourself. He resists the proud. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He may exalt you in due time. Who's going to exalt you? People? I need to be noticed? People will exalt me. Who exalts? God. Who's the exalt? Us, I like humble, us. Introduce yourself as humble. Hi, I'm humble. Servants are humble. We're a kingdom of servants. Servants don't need to be noticed. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I believed and therefore I spoke. So, believe is not the same as faith. Well, sure it is, Pastor. No, it's not. Um, Yeah, because Rick, I looked it up in the Greek and it had the same Greek 
the same Greek word, pistis. Well, it's not exactly the same. Let me prove it to you. Faith is a noun. I'm going to bring some bad memories back to you <laughs> from your childhood growing up in grammar school. But what is a noun? Person, place, or thing. What's a verb? Is a noun and a verb the same thing? God gives faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He gives us the measure of faith. That's a gift from God. You don't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's something God gives you. So God gives you faith, but he will not do your believing. So what's believing? It's putting your faith into action. It's doing something with your faith. He'll give you faith, but he will not do your believing. That's up for you to do. And so how do you release your faith? There's two main ways in the Bible that we are to release our faith. The first one here we find in this verse, speaking. Speaking. You know God the Father releases his faith by words. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, there's nothing but dark. And the Lord said, well, I wonder, I have a dark problem. I have a darkness problem. Well, how do I overcome this darkness? I'm going to bind the darkness. I'll loose the light. No. No, he had to release it. He said, light be, he spoke it, and it was. He said, 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 and it was. The Father, that's how he operates. Jesus came along as the Son of God, and he was just like his daddy. He was a spitting image of his father. That's why he went around spitting on people. I guess. But he went around talking to things. He talked to waves. He talked to wind. He talked to trees. He talked to fevers. He talked to demons. He'd around talking to things. So faith is released by two main ways. By speaking and acting on what you believe. Speaking and acting. There are some things that you are supposed to do by your actions. That only you can do by actions. But there are some things... God's asking you to do with your words. There's a lot of things in the spiritual life that God wants you to do with your words. Let me prove it to you. Look in Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 17. Now when I read this, we've got to read it slowly or we just go right over it and we miss it. Tell someone, don't miss it. Pay attention. Colossians 3, look at verse 17. And whatever, say whatever. In whatever you do in word. Yep, somebody missed it already. Let's, re let's reread it. Because we don't normally think this way. And whatever you do in word or deed. Do in all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There are things you're to do with your words. Some things you're going to do with your actions. I've learned that the hard way with dishes. I've tried to do them with my words. <laughs> Joanne came in and says, honey, I thought you said you were going to do the dishes. I did them. I spoke to them. Did they not get done? No. And I realized I had to do them with some action. And some soap and water and friction. Praise God. Paul said, we also believe and therefore speak. In the midst of his problem, because Paul in this chapter is surrounded by pressure, surrounded by trials, surrounded, he says, death 
abides me. Wherever I go, there's a liability to death. And it's just like David. He was in the midst of these trials. So what did David do in the midst of his trial? He believed and spoke and entered into great humility. What do we need to do in our trials and the troubles that we're facing? You need to have humility, enter into that humility, and you need to start believing and speaking what God's saying about it, not what you feel about it. We believe, say we believe, therefore I speak. I believe, I speak. I believe, I speak. That's pretty much the job description for a believer. Raise your hand if you're a believer. That's your job description. Believe and speak. Release your faith. Verse 14. Knowing, knowing, say knowing. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Knowing. That's the key to the Christian life. Knowing. It's what you know that helps you be victorious. What you know. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up with Jesus. And so in the midst of your problem, we become so now-focused, so problem-focused, so tribulation-circumstance-focused that we lose sight of what God sees. God wants us to be more eternity-focused than now-focused. He wants us to see from his viewpoint. And so I don't care, I don't care how bad it's gotten in your life, that there's something you can rejoice in, the fact that you can focus on eternity. You can focus on heaven. You can focus on that you're going to live forever with God, with Jesus, forever, and not be in hell. Hallelujah. If you're overwhelmed by your trial, you're focusing on the wrong thing. There's always something. Because if you start thinking about, I'm not going to be in hell forever, I'm going to be in heaven forever, and this life, it says this life is like a vapor. Psst. That's your life. Psst. Tell someone, psst. Next to eternity, psst. A vapor, psst. Your problem is, psst, is a little, psst. Your life is, psst. Is psst. Jesus is about to leave and he says, son, uh, uh, son and, and sons, and, and uh, there's going to be trouble that's going to come to you disciples. But I want you to get your focus on something else than on what you're going to face. Look in John 14, look at verse 1. This is right before he leaves and, and Jesus says this to his disciples. Tribulation's coming to them. John 14, 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. Let it, let not your heart be troubled. So question, whose fault is it if your heart is troubled? It says, let not your heart be troubled. Well, you know, Pastor, that's easy to say, but how do you do that? Look, keep reading. Believe in God. And believe in Jesus. And then Jesus says you need to replace your focus to the eternity instead of your focus now. In John 14, 2, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. You can come over to my mansion. I don't know if me and, my jo- me and Joanne will have separate mansions. 
or we'll have one, I don't know, but you're welcome wherever it is. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. Where's Jesus been the last 2,000 years? Preparing a place for us. Let me tell you something. Jesus is your Savior, but he also was a carpenter. And a good one. And if it took 2,000 years to make my mansion... Verse 3. And if I go, I prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Tell someone, refocus. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4. And he says that he that raised up Jesus will raise us up and will present us with you. I love Albert Barnes in this verse. He says, that he will present us to God as those who have been redeemed by his blood. He will present us in the courts of heaven before the throne of the eternal Father as ransomed people, as recovered from the ruins of the fall, as saved by the merits of his blood. God's viewpoint is not our viewpoint. Even in our trial, God's seeing far beyond what we're seeing. We see what we're going through right now, and we don't like it. If you like, if you don't like, if you like problems, we need to pray for you. <laughs> no one likes going through problems, but your problem—you're making it much worse by your focus. Much worse. And so you need to reshift your focus and see what God sees. God sees you way beyond your problem. Matter of fact, God sees you standing before Him in a white robe and a glorified body. Anyone who ran a marathon? I didn't think so. <laughs> Neither have I. But it's 26 miles. That's why we probably have not run a marathon. It's 26 miles. But if you're running a marathon and you're in the midst of it, that's all you're, you're missing, the pain and the, and the sweat and everything, and you're right in the middle of that marathon and you can't see miles ahead and you still got miles to go and, and you're tired. And so that's all what you're focusing on. But if you got into a helicopter... And you could see all 26 miles all at one view. That's God looking from eternity, looking into time because God created time. He's got his light at light time ceases. He created time. So he can look back on that helicopter view and see all of time. He can see Adam and Eve right now. He can see us in heaven right now. He has that viewpoint from eternity to be able to see that. And what does he see about you? He sees you past your problem, past your situation, and he sees you on the other side standing glorified before him. Amen. I want you to see a verse that shows us that. Romans 8, look at verse 30. Romans verse 8, uh, chapter 8, look at verse 30. Moreover whom God predestined, what does that mean? That means to choose beforehand a destination. doesn't make him make you take that destination. He's just planned it out. He sent Jesus to die for all of us, shed his blood for everybody. He's made the plan. He wanted everybody to go there, made a plan for everybody to go there. doesn't mean everybody chooses it. Now, moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Raise your hand if he had called you. And he also called, he also justified. That means to make innocent, to make righteous. Raise your hand if that's you. Well, whom he justified, he also glorified. This is speaking of having your complete 
being done, complete, in a glorified body one day, he's also done it past tense. God sees you in heaven standing before him in a white robe. And so guess what that means for you? You must have made it through your problem. <laughs> Tell someone you made it through. You didn't die here, you went through. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread to the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. That is not very clear in the New Kings, James. So I want to look at the New Living Translation of this verse. 2 Corinthians 4.15 in the New Living Translation. It says, all of this is for your benefit. All of what? All the trials, all the things I'm going through, everything that I'm facing, I'm doing it for you and for your salvation. All this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. He said, you know, I'm reaching more and trying to reach out more and more people. And the more people I reach with God's grace, that causes thanksgiving, more and more thanksgiving to go back to God. And when God gets it, he gets more and more glory. Until all of a sudden he says, I can't help myself. I got to be good. And he pours out his grace upon us and upon more people. And then thanksgiving comes back up to him for more glory and glory. And he's like, I can't, I got to be blessed. And, and then he pours out more. And it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Grace, thanksgiving, grace, thanksgiving, grace, thanksgiving. And so that's like the earth's water cycle. The clouds pour down and rains in the oceans and rivers. Then it evaporates up into the clouds until there's too much to hold it. It has to come down again. And then it evaporates back up and it keeps going back. And that's, that, that's God's glory cycle. Ask someone, are you in God's glory cycle? Because you can participate in the glory cycle. How do, I, how, do I prepare, how do I operate in God's glory cycle? So that when, when you're receiving God's grace and appropriate God's grace, it manifests in thanksgiving back to God. Let me, let me ask you a question. How do you know that you have received and appropriated and processed grace in your heart and life? By thanksgiving that comes out of it. Give you an illustration. How do you know that you've received oxygen, processed it, how do you know that that takes place? What comes out? Carbon dioxide comes out as proof that you have processed oxygen. What is the proof that you've processed grace in your life? What comes back out? Thanksgiving. Because if there's not Thanksgiving coming out, you have an approach, you know, you know about it, maybe theological to you, but you're not appropriating it and, and it's been processed. Because the word thanksgiving is the Greek word eucharisteo. It means to, it means to uh, give thanks or to, to give good grace. Uh, the Eucharist comes from this word. Eucharisteo. It, it, the Eucharist comes from this. And the root word is C-H-A-R-S. You may be familiar with that word. The root word of thanksgiving is, now if you're from Texas, it's charis. The Greek pronunciation is charis. Caristio. So, 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 so if, you've, if you've obtained grace and received grace and processed it, it comes out as thanksgiving. And then when you give that thanksgiving to God, His goodness pours back down and then you receive that grace and then you give Him thanksgiving and you're part of God's glory cycle. 
But notice it says, having spread through the many. As a minister, raise your hand if you're called to ministry. Well, you better because all Christians are ministers. In the ministry, you'll have two types of people. You'll have people that are for you and people that are again you. That's Oklahoma and Texan for against you. But you know what? If you're following God, there'll be more, a lot more that are for you and, and is blessed by your ministry than those that are not. And so, but you've got to focus on the, one, on the ones that are receiving it, the, mo- the many instead of the some. And as a minister, as I'm familiar, when you, when you get done ministering, they'll come to you and say, that was so awesome. That was so awesome. And you get the glorification of the donkey ceremony. You know, Jesus rode in on a donkey and they were praising and throwing palm branches and the donkey was going. <laughs> it's not for you, donkey. For him riding you. And so, but, but it only takes one person, Brother Flip-A-Lip, Sister Bucket Mouth comes up and, and dis, you know, didn't like what you had to say. But then when you walk away, what do you focus on usually? The one person. And then you're like, oh, down. And be, Man, I'm ready to give up on the ministry. <laughs> no one's happy up there. One person. That's a tendency. And that happens in our problem. We focus on this one thing going wrong instead of all the good stuff. You woke up this morning. And breathing. And you have so many positive things working for you, but you're focused on that one thing. And Paul was in prison and he was focused, he, he could have got his focus wrong in prison in Rome. In Philippians 1.14, he says there's two groups of people. Philippians 1.14 says, and most, say most, most, of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word with, without fear. Listen, if Paul can preach in the prison, we can preach out here. We're supporting Paul. We're, we're believing for Paul. But then verse 15, some. Say some. Oh. And preach Christ out of envy and strife. There are some people out preaching just to get Paul and more in trouble because they're in strife. And so Paul says there's most and some. Who are you going to focus on? Most. And so let's go down to the next verse, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? Your focus. Your focus. If you're losing heart today, it's because you've lost focus on the things of God. Look at that word lose heart. It's the Greek word means to turn out badly. Let me say that again. Lose heart in the Greek comes from a Greek word which means to turn out badly. Tell someone don't turn out bad. We focus, we lose our focus on the Lord and glorifying Him, we turn out badly. We become spiritless, wearied out, exhausted, and cowardly. It's our focus on the Lord that will keep us from crumbling under the pressure. Even though our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. We have an outward man and we have an inward man. What's our outward man? It's our body. I have good news for you. It's decaying. Well, I look so young and vibrant. Well, I'm sure you do. Give it a little while and you'll experience decay. You leave a house to itself over time and it starts to decay. 
the door starts to lose its hinges. It gets a little creaky. A few cracks start showing up. Our outward man is decaying day after day. Especially Paul's body, when you went through what he went through, it was going quicker than most. Yet our inward man, what's our inward man? It's our spirit that has a soul. It's our inward man, it's our spirit and soul. But what part of you needs to be renewed day by day? Our soul. Our soul soul is renewed day by day. Look in Colossians 3.10. Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, that's revelation knowledge, epinosis, revelation knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. How is your inward man renewed? Through revelation knowledge. What part of you needs revelation knowledge? It's your soul. It's up here, especially your mind. This is your peanut. Tell someone you need your peanut roasted. (laughs) Keep roasting. And it's renewed. See, God, God lumps our soul with the new man, our spirit. Verse 17. For our heavy affliction. Oh, I'm sorry, clueless translation. Pops up every once in a while. For our light affliction, which is but for a long time. I'm sorry. For our light affliction is but for a moment. is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Say light affliction. affliction. Well, we need to look at Paul's light affliction and compare ours with his light affliction. Go to 2 Corinthians 11, look at verse 23, and we're going to look at Paul's light affliction. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure. That's a whip, stripes from a whip, above measure. Raise your hand if you have stripes above measure. Good. In prisons more frequently. I won't raise your hand if see if you've been in prison. <laughs> but he more frequently than you. In deaths often... From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's with rocks. He went to a rock concert and he was on stage. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've been in the deep. I'm sure with sharks. In journeys often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, not because he chose to, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside other things, what comes upon me daily, the concern for the churches, especially you dudes that I'm talking to right now, Corinthians. Light affliction. How in the world could Paul call this light affliction? Focus. 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 
Ask someone what you're focusing on. Which is but for a moment, this very instant, the Greek word means this very instant, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Again, having an eternal mindset, thinking about heaven. Well, pastor, I believe in the beautiful, lovely by and by, it's all going to be good. But pastor, that doesn't help me because I'm in the nasty now and now. I need something practical that helps me in my nasty now and now. Well, praise God that God has glory, eternal glory, but that's not just for heaven. Eternal glory is for today. Because you have eternal life, but does that have to wait till you die? No, Jesus said eternal life is to know the Father and to know His Son, Jesus Christ. You're experiencing and, and, and drawing from eternal life right now. You don't have to wait to heaven. And you can draw from the eternal glory right now to help you in the midst of your problem. And we're going to find out how you do that. Because it says that all these troubles, all these trials, the light affliction that we just said is working for us. Say working. working. This Greek word, I love this Greek word. One of my favorite, I love Greek, the Greek language, but one of my favorite Greek words, kot or godzomai. Now, I'm not going to pronounce it, or I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to spell it because it's a long word. The only reason I'm telling you is because I like it. <laughs> cot or God's am I. Say cot, cot. or God's am I. God. I love the word. Because it, it's a word, specific Greek word, which means to work something from the inside to the outside. It was a, a mining term of the ancient world. It means that you dug deep into the earth, and pulled out precious metals deep in the earth, brought it up to the surface of the earth to utilize it. Cotter gods am I. It says the trials, but, but it's not just the trials, it's the faith. It's I believe and I spoke. Therefore, I, I believe I spoke. And believing and speaking and releasing your faith in the midst of your trial, it works something from the inside out called glory. Can you go back up to 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7? For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory. Say glory. glory. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Next verse. When we have this treasure in earth and vessel. What treasure? Glory. The glory of God is inside you, but it needs to come from the inside outside. Look at Romans 5.3. In the midst of your trial, if you'll believe and speak God's word in your trial, it'll work something from the inside out. Romans 5.3 says, and not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Say glory, glory. in tribulations. You, you can have glory in your tribulation. You can have the glory of God right now in your tribulation. By believing and speaking. Knowing that tribulation, tribulation means pressure. Knowing that your pressure produces patience. Look at the word produces. Caught or God's am I. It works it from the inside out. Because you have, if you're born again, you have patience in your spirit, but it's deep. Really deep. Because the first thing in your trial that comes to the surface is not patience. It's words and 
attitudes and but hold on, patience is working its way up. And what happens when, when patience comes to the surface, then character comes with it. As someone, do you have character or are you a character? <laughs> and character produces hope, a confident expectation of the goodness of God. That's his glory showing up. And so, guys, this glory isn't just for heaven. It's now. Tell some of the glories for now. John 11, verse 40. We're almost done. I see the, I see the, the landing strip. Don't unbuckle. John 11, look at verse 40. Jesus said to Martha, Did I not say to you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. God is saying to someone in this room, and, I'm, and I believe it, obviously saying, don't, but there's someone that God's saying, if you'll believe him in the midst of what you're going through, you'll see his glory. You're going to see his glory. What kind of glory? Paul strips the Greek language of all of its riches to talk about what this glory is. Because it's not just glory. It's the weight of his glory. But it's not just the weight of his glory. It's the eternal weight of his glory. It's not just the, exter- the eternal weight of his glory. It's the exceeding eternal weight of the glory. It's not just the exceeding eternal weight of his glory, but it's the more exceeding eternal way to glory it's not just the more exceeding and eternal way to glory it's the far more exceeding in eternal way to glory can you say glory glory glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. hallelujah when i die someday no now now it's working it's working it's working every time you believe and speak every time you believe in that every time in the midst of your child it's working it's coming out Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That's an oxymoron. How can you look at things which are not seen? Because you have two sets of eyes. You're a four eyes. Uh-oh, that brought bad, bad memories. I'm not talking about four eyes in the natural wearing glasses. I'm talking about you have two sets of eyes. You have eyes in your head to see the natural, but you have eyes of your heart to see the spirit realm, the eternal realm, the realm of truth. And we're to look at that. Refocus, refocus, refocus. Where's your eyes? Because the more you focus on the natural, it becomes heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And And you want to give up? Refocus. And you'll experience a greater weight pushing against the weight that's pushing against you. It's called the weight of his glory. Last couple of verses, I promise. Second Corinthians 3:18. 
But we all, with unveiled face, beholding, 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 as in a looking glass, the glory, say glory, glory. of the Lord. You manifest what you look at. Behold, as in a looking glass, the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory just by the Spirit of the Lord. That word transform is metamorpho. We get metamorphosis from it. It means, metamorphosis means to, to what's locked up in the inside manifests on the outside. A butterfly, a monarch butterfly, it starts out with a little worm and, and it goes into a cocoon and it goes through metamorphosis to what's locked up in their DNA comes out, and it comes out as a monarch butterfly. Tell someone you're coming out, monarch. <laughs> but that metamorphosis is that working. It only works when you have your eyes focused on the right thing, and you're believing and speaking, believing and speaking from what your eyes of your heart see. You speak from the natural eyes and you moan and groan and complain and murmur. It stops working. It's still there. It stops working from the inside out. But we look at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary. Psst. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Bow your heads. You're going through trials. You're going through troubles. Financial, work, health, welcome to life. It's pressing in. You have weights on you. But where's your focus been? Are you ready to refocus? And see what God sees. And get a proper focus of how he sees your problem. Where you're seated with him in heavenly places looking down on your problem. And are you ready to believe and speak? Believe and speak. You say, Pastor, I'm ready to refocus. And I'm ready to enter into a thing called humility. And humility says, I'm going to see things God's way. I'm going to believe what God says. And I'm going to say what he says. And I'm going to enter into great humility. And I'm going to see great glory. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. In fact, stand to your feet if that's you. If you want to humble yourself, stand up. I'm going to pray it doesn't work for you, proud person, if you don't want to stand up. <laughs> Father, I thank you so much for this standing, God. God, we're going to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't even do this without you, Holy Spirit. We call upon you to help us. Help us focus on the eternal. Focus from the eyes of our heart. And when we do, it becomes light affliction. What used to crush us just becomes light affliction for the moment. Psst. And the eternal weight of glory starts working from the inside out. And then it manifests our victory, it manifests a witness to people around us. And But I do thank you for that eternal glory we'll enter into one day in the fullness. But you have it now. We can have it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship God together. I just feel like there's somebody in this room right now who's been failed by past relationships fathers, mothers, whoever it is, but our God will never fail you. He's been the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will never change.
He will never bail out on you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's an awesome God. It's just who He is. He's faithful. Oh. I just heard, tear down these walls. And what the Lord is saying is there's some, there's some that have allowed walls to come up between them and the Lord. And we have to choose. God will help us to bring those things down. But we have to choose. And y'all, we'll never experience his fullness unless we allow everything to be put aside and allow God to do what he wants to do in us. Good morning. Um, thank you, Pastor Rick and Joanne. Um, so uh, I know we don't like trials and tribulations, or our, our flesh doesn't like it. But um, And we know that the Father doesn't send them, but we have an enemy, Satan, who does. But the Lord will use it for our good. Like Pastor Rick says about the judo technique, like you use your, the, when your enemy attacks, you use that attack against them, right? And so the Lord is building character in you right now in regards to the attack or the tribulation or the trial that you're going through, right? Because we start as seeds, and then we continue to grow, and we need that resistance. Billy Epperhart taught on this uh, last Wednesday in chapel, like you'll, you'll have resistance in the ground, right? But that's building that character on the inside of you for when you finally reach the outside and that manifestation and that fruit, right? Because whatever comes against you there, you'll be prepared for it. So don't despise these trials and tribulations that you're going through, amen? Because it is building the character that you need, hallelujah, for whatever your purpose or your ministry is, or your business, amen? So just count it all joy, amen? Don't get weary and well-doing, hallelujah, because we are the light of the world. Amen. I know there's a lot of people that are probably going through many trials. I don't know where you're at. It may be the loss of a parent or a child or a divorce or just, it's just hard right now because of situations. But I want you to look back from the beginning from the very beginning, I can look back, way back, and God has been faithful through some of the biggest trials in my life, and he's never left me, and I'll tell you something, he's never going to leave any of you. Amen. 